I think most people know the story of Final Fantasy Mystic Quest. How it was one of Square's early attempts at just kind of making JRPGs more approachable to Western gamers. But of all the things I could say about this game, of the lovely sprite work, of the fun level design, of the cool themes and areas, if there's one thing that'll convince you this game is a gem, it's gotta be the soundtrack. And I'm gonna let it speak for itself. This is Final Fantasy Mystic Quest, here on Scanline Vibes. Hey, Mr. Taylor, welcome back to the podcast. It's a pleasure to be here. Are you excited to be diving into Final Fantasy Mystic Quest? It's going to be an interesting experience. I'm looking forward to it. Is this your, your favorite Final Fantasy game? Uh, well, considering the first time I'd ever played it was two days ago, uh, I can't say that it was. Yeah, I, I think most people would hesitate to even call it a real Final Fantasy game. You can see that argument. So I guess the, the best natural place to start is your first impressions of the game. My first impressions of the game. Well, my first impression of the game was uh, that it definitely comes from a simpler time of, of game design, where from moment one, you were literally just, here you are, you're on the side of a mountain, there's an old man telling you you have to save the world, go. There's no build-up, there's no who your character is, there's no prologue in a quiet, sleepy village, it's just, here you are, save the world, go. Mm. Uh, it was pretty interesting uh, and definitely comes from, a, a, like I said, a simpler time of game design. Yeah. Uh, despite that fact, I do think it still looks like a Super Nintendo game to me at its core. It, oh, absolutely. Yeah, it definitely looks very much like the old school. Like It reminds me, especially the overworld map, reminds me a lot of like the old school Dragon Quest games. Yeah. The color palette's really vibrant. Mm. The, uh, the monster sprites are really detailed. And there's just a lot of care that went into the visual components of the game, even though it's not the most ambitious game visually. I mean, yeah, it uh, isn't particularly ambitious, uh, even for the era, but it definitely is beautiful. It, it definitely is up to par uh, of other games of the era, visually speaking. Did you own Did you own a Super Nintendo growing up? I did not, no. I had a best friend who had a Super Nintendo, so I would play a lot on, on his, but I never had one myself. And so you, I guess you subsequently have never even heard of this game prior to last week. Um, I don't think so, no, not prior to you telling me about it. Interesting. Well, I think for a lot of people, my myself included, Final Fantasy Mystic Quest was really their entry point into the Final Fantasy franchise. Hmm. Uh, it was it was marketed as an entry level JRPG. It's it's kind of a game that's meant to get gamers feet wet with a genre that you know U.S. gamers just weren't used to at the time. We'd seen Star Fox, we'd seen Zelda, hmm. but this kind of turn based battle system. There was a lot of kids growing up with a Super Nintendo. They were used to Mario, and they were used to those kinds of games. But Final Fantasy Mystic Quest took that brand that people knew, the Final Fantasy brand, mm. and it tried to introduce a, a new generation of gamers to uh, turn-based JRPGs, really. Okay. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here, because you may not know this off the top of your head, but was Final Fantasy Mystic Quest the first Final Fantasy game to release in the West? No, I don't believe so. Uh, I mean, Final Fantasy, I mean, for the, the NES had released. I suppose that's true, yeah. NES and Final versus Fan SNES. Final Fantasy 2, which really was, I believe, Final Fantasy 4 in Japan, was also, I think, either released just before or around this time. Gotcha. 
there was a lot of kids that asked for Final Fantasy two for Christmas, and their parents came home with Mystic Quest, mm. and those kids were not happy. Uh, yeah, I can see that. Um, I mean, it still seemed like a fun game. It is. It's definitely a fun game. Uh, I don't know exactly what words come to mind when I think... I haven't done a lot of soul-searching when I think about Mystic Quest. Mm. To me, it seems like an easier game. And you've played, what would you say, an hour of it or two hours of it? Mm, right around that, yeah. And how did the difficulty rank to you? Uh, largely, it was very, very easy. It's one of the easiest of those turn-based JRPG games I've, I've ever played. There were a couple exceptions, a couple hard moments scattered, but mostly it was pretty easy. Gotcha. Did you game over at all? Uh, I game over it once during the first like major boss, which the lead up to that boss is just a bunch of enemies. You just like you just one hit kill, one hit kill, one hit kill. Like I think there was a large section of time where I hadn't even been hit once, much less had character go down. And then the boss of that dungeon was just like, and you're dead. The good old fashioned uh, power level spike. Yeah, that's for sure. What did you think of the the greater mechanics? The fact that you could jump in a Final Fantasy game. That was definitely interesting for the the old school style Final Fantasy games that you could you could jump over people and and jump over, you know, jump from ledge to ledge um, to help navigate the dungeon. It was a unique thing for that era. I think it's a unique thing for any era. Can you think of any Final Fantasy game where you can jump? Can't you jump in Final Fantasy X? In ten? I think you can. I mean, obviously that's much later, but in ten, I'm fairly certain Titus can jump from from ledge to ledge, like uh, much like you can in Mystic Quest. I think you can jump in 13, but I don't think there's any mechanics for that in terms of, like, platforming or puzzle solving. I think you can just jump while you're running around. Yeah, I, I don't know of any other Final Fantasy games off the top of my head where I can confirmedly say you can definitely jump in that. You cannot jump in 7, 8, and 9. I know those like the back of my hand. Yeah. Um, but I don't, think of, I don't think of jumping as a mechanic that's in Final Fantasy games. Our listeners just hate us right now. There are people listening and just screaming at us, You're idiots! Yeah, Final Fantasy Mystic Quest's general gameplay felt to me more like a mixture between Zelda and Final Fantasy. Uh, yeah, I can definitely see the comparisons to Zelda. A lot of very Zelda-esque items. At the end of the first dungeon, you see a, a character get from a chest an item that seems to me basically to be the hookshot from, from the classic Zelda franchise. Yeah, it seems to me that, that Square the Time knew that they were going to have a tough time selling traditional, turn-based, no-puzzle JRPGs to Western audiences. And they thought, okay, how can we sprinkle in Zelda-esque things to this game? How can we sprinkle in action-y things to this game? Yeah. And they borrowed a couple of elements that I think worked really, really well. That worked really, really well. And I know you didn't get far enough in the game to realize this, but there's some pretty good puzzles in Mystic Quest. Um, mm. There's some dungeons that have, you know rooms that are laid out in such a way that you've got to solve the the right combination or the right way to go and you've got various items to help you along you get a sword and an axe and some bombs and later you get a grappling hook but i think that square was really in really wise to incorporate a lot of those action adventure weapons and functionality like jumping around yeah um because i, I know watching you play you couldn't stop using your weapons i mean you didn't stop attacking with your sword or your axe or jumping the moment you discovered you could do them that's true Whereas in any normal JRPG or any, any I think, contemporary JRPG, you basically didn't have those options. You just walk around, interact with NPC, walk around, interact with NPC. And I think Square was very, very, it was a very smart decision to include those elements in that game because it, it taught a lot of Western gamers, like, hey, this isn't that different from what you already know. It's kind of like Zelda. It's not exactly Zelda, but it's kind of like Zelda. Yeah, there were definitely some, some Zelda elements for sure. I could absolutely feel that. Um, 
And you're right. I mean, running around in a, a classic JRPG, uh, you just kind of run around. You don't do anything special while you're running around on the overworld map, so to speak. But in Mystic Quest, there's plenty to occupy yourself with uh, while you're doing that, jumping over obstacles, chopping down trees, etc. Yeah, well, uh, let's go ahead and, and hop into our first listener-submitted story today. You think that's a good idea? Yeah, let's go for it. Let's see what our listeners have to say about the game. All right, well, this first story comes from a user that goes by the handle Selbaj. Selbaj. I like it. It sounds elegant. Could be Jables backwards. It could be. I don't know what Jables would be. I don't know, but it's Selbaj. Mm-hmm. So, as always, Taylor, I'm going to let you take it away. Very well. Selbaj says... It was Christmas in 1992 when I got my first video game console. I was three years old and covered in chicken pox, hating life at the time. That Christmas is one of my first vivid memories. Super Mario World started this passion I've always had for playing video games. By the time I was seven or eight, I couldn't get enough of Final Fantasy. I would say the absolutely best aspect of Mystic Quest, along with the music, are the environments. The dungeons and towns are really pretty for an SNES title. Mystic Quest's first dungeon and its secret path through a dinosaur skeleton are memories I won't ever forget. The towns, temples, the special tower, all of them are pretty. Then there's the little things that make the game so fun. First of all, the game manual was useful. The main character's name is Benjamin, but the game doesn't tell you that. The book does, and you level up faster or something if you name him appropriately. Likewise, using the weapons while walking around is like jump moving in Elder Scrolls. You're going to do it no matter what. Hey, Selbaj, thanks so much for sharing this. This is a lot. This is a blast to read. It definitely sounds like you had a good time with the game, and hey, a Christmas present, that's not a bad deal. Yeah, especially when you're having to suffer through chicken pox. I am not going to lie here. I didn't know that your character's name would affect your stat growth if you named your character Benjamin. Yeah, that's an interesting concept, if it's, uh, if it's true. It's not true. Oh, okay. Are we, just, no. are we calling Selbaj out? I'm actually going to have to call you out, Selbaj. I actually didn't know this, and I found this so shocking. I found this so interesting. I booted up the game, and I created a file with the name Benjamin, mm-hmm. and then I made, I made a file with the name non-Benjamin. Sure. Both encounters for the first opponent you fight yielded 80 experience. So mm-hmm. I didn't see a difference. So maybe technically there is some difference. Maybe they take less damage or something, or maybe the game is slightly easier, but... I didn't notice an actual level up difference between the two files. Maybe it has to do with stat growth. I mean, you're talking about how much EXP you get per encounter. Maybe it has to do with you your stats increase faster. That's possible, yeah. So either way, that is still a really interesting note. Um, I actually tried to look online for information about that that thing as well, and I couldn't find anything. So Sure. Yeah. So I don't know where you heard that cell badge, but that's a great rumor. Yeah. I mean, and if it's true, it's a, it's a pretty neat little nod to... Uh, utilizing the canon name in games which is always something i like to do if possible yeah and i totally agree the uh the dungeons and the environments are just a total highlight of the game so many areas are are so beautiful the sprite work is really great and Mm. i love that first starting town the one that's all like withered and dying and then you complete the bone dungeon and you come back and it's like suddenly come back to life and it's green and it's pretty and the music's changed i love that transition absolutely it's a beautiful way to to handle it and the bone dungeon itself is also pretty gorgeous it's a it definitely reminds me of a zelda-esque dungeon i couldn't tell you a specific one but i mean definitely has that feel to it it has multiple different areas uh, an interesting color palette even some of the water has like a unique color to it yeah yeah it's definitely a highlight of the early game for sure 
and oof, yeah, it's good stuff. It's really good stuff. Mm. But let's not let's not rest on our laurels. Let's go ahead and head into our second listener submitted story. This one comes from Justin, and I'm gonna go ahead and read this one out. My history with Mystic Quest is a pretty funny one. As a kid, I was enamored with knights and dragons. I remember reading Nintendo Power and saw a new game called Final Fantasy II, and it was recently released. I begged my parents for Final Fantasy II all year. When Christmas came around, I opened a familiar rectangle box with excitement, only for that excitement to be dashed with the gift of Mystic Quest. I often tell people that Final Fantasy II was my first Final Fantasy, but that's only because I misremembered the timing. Mystic Quest was my first, so I decided to give it a go anyway. And man oh man, I think it was a good thing I got it first, as it really introduced me to the world of JRPGs. It wasn't too complicated, as a lot of the typical RPG systems like magic and equipment were pared down from affairs like Final Fantasy II. The music itself was amazing. I still hum the City of Forest theme to this day. It was unique that it wasn't all soothing instrumental. It also attempted to add some rock into an RPG, which was kind of strange for me at the time, but it made for a memorable soundtrack. I remember playing this game for months after school until I finally beat it. It was one of the first games I ever beat other than Zelda and Mario at the time, and I still consider it a worthy Final Fantasy game, even if others disagree. I still go back and play it from time to time, and while a lot of it is antiquated, it still brings back floods of memories, back to being a seven-year-old kid and enjoying RPGs. Oh, and Final Fantasy II? I wound up getting that one for my birthday the following year, and it would go on to be my favorite game of all time. Well, thank you so much, Justin. That was a very interesting story. And honestly, it just confirms that for at least you and probably a handful of other kids out there, Final Fantasy Mystic Quest succeeded in in the goal that Square set out for it, which was to introduce Westerners to the JRPG concept without overwhelming them with crazy complicated JRPG concepts. Yeah, that was definitely me, uh, for sure. I, I I don't know. Do you know what Final Fantasy Mystic Quest was called in Japan? I want to say you've told me, but I can't remember. Final Fantasy USA. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I definitely remember that. Interesting, that's how uh, Japanese people decide to look at us. Just label it USA and move along. And make it easier. Don't forget to make it really, really easy. Yeah, you gotta dumb it down for us Americans. Let's go ahead and keep the train rolling and head into our next listener-submitted story. All right, let's do it. This one comes from Bryant. And Taylor, you ready? Absolutely. Bryant shares, Mystic Quest is a special game to me. My father bought the game for me when I was in middle school in the 90s. He found it cheap on a military base he was at. Mystic Quest was the game that had me fall in love with the Final Fantasy series. I had never played or understood how RPGs worked, and this game was the perfect introduction for me. I've been hooked on the Final Fantasy series ever since. I still replay Mystic Quest every few years because I love the characters and the soundtrack, and every time I play, I feel like I'm transported back to a simpler time. Nice, Bryant. Really good stuff. Yeah, thanks for sharing. I'm curious to know if Bry- in Bryant's story if his father buying the game on a military base, I wonder if that was an accidental purchase, like if he was trying to find Final Fantasy II and just saw that Final Fantasy logo and, hmm. and thought, oh, let's get this. Yeah, no, it's definitely possible. Bryant kind of talks about the characters of the game, hmm. and I know that you didn't play that far, but within a couple of hours, you've, meet, you've met a couple of characters yeah, definitely met uh, Kaylee and Tristan, which were both interesting characters, to say the least. Did you have a favorite, or...? I liked Kaylee's personality. She was very gung-ho and just, all right, I'm here, I've got my axe, let's do this. Uh, but Tristan was also a pretty interesting character as well. 
Yeah, I think I think Tristan was a fan favorite for sure. Uh, I think it was probably that pirate rogue look he had. Yeah, and I can definitely see it in his personality as well. It's definitely a very Han Solo esque personality to to for lack of a better term. He also throws ninja stars, so I mean that too. Definitely not a Han Solo aspect, but one of the things about the characters of the game, uh, especially like Kaylee and Tristram, and even later characters like Phoebe and Ruben, is that they all are cyclical. They they come back and they enter and leave your party multiple times throughout the game. Yeah, I could already kind of get the feel for that. It seems like you can never have more than one party member at a time. I could be wrong, but that's what it kind of seemed like from when I was playing. And I could definitely see like Kaylee came in and then she left, and then Tristram came in and left, and then. It felt like Kaylee was about to rejoin right as I kind of stopped playing. So it uh, it seems like that, that cyclical aspect is pretty obvious even from the beginning. Yeah, yeah. And as as characters come and go, they level up and they, and they change you know, their, their spells and abilities as they come and re-enter your party. And it's pretty interesting. You, you reconnect with some characters later on, but you never do have more than one person in your party. It's always just aren't more than two people in your party, I should say. It's always just you plus a babysitter. So you never really get too you never really get too overburdened with party management. Yeah, which can be a pretty complicated thing for a, for JRPG sometimes. Yeah, much much in line with the theme of this game is that they tried to streamline a lot of those complex elements for US, you know, US fans. And I think that's one thing they did really really well is they just, mm. you know, they kept the party to a minimum, they kept the story to a minimum, and they worked on really killing the execution of just great music, great art, great level design, and fun gameplay. Yeah. Absolutely, I could see the fun gameplay for sure. Out of curiosity, is there ever a point, maybe like late game, where you get to choose who that babysitter is? Unfortunately, no. Um, and the final party member you wind up in the game with is Phoebe. Uh, mm. She is really, really strong. I can see why they let that be the final party member you get. Yeah. But uh, if my knowledge serves me correctly, I don't believe you actually get to choose. I think you were kind of just assigned Phoebe at the end of the game. So. I mean, it goes. It keeps in line with the simplicity of it all. I mean didn't want to overwhelm the kids with choice yeah no if you could choose though i'm pretty sure most kids would have chosen tristam i can see that i kind of wanted to spend some more time on the bone dungeon at the beginning of the game yeah it's an area that i really really adore and for me i actually associate when i think of mystic quest that is the first level that always comes to mind Mm. Uh, i really love the music which i'll be sampling right now while we're talking but i i adore the layout of that dungeon i really like the monsters there and i love the boss of that dungeon yeah, the boss was really, really interesting. Not what I was, uh, not what I was expecting. Uh, a talking Tyrannosaurus Rex that shoots flames, but also controls the earth. Yeah, and he hits like a truck. I oh mean, yeah, no, that I definitely see. He hits like an absolute beast mode, and as you said, you I mean getting up to that boss, you've been one hitting monsters left and right, and then all of a sudden you have this boss that is basically doing half your max HP in one hit. Yeah, half of even Tristam's max HP, which is pretty high since he's your your babysitter for the dungeon. Yeah, it's it's a pretty in- intense boss fight, and I remember as a kid, I think I wiped at least three or four times trying to beat it. Yeah, I can definitely see that. If you're not familiar with uh, with JRPG aspects at all, and you're just blindly kind of playing along, you you might struggle with that boss quite a bit. I loved one of the elements of that dungeon that I really liked as well was the moving sand and the shifting sand and how it yeah. kind of it's almost like a mini puzzle mechanic, but it's not really a puzzle mechanic. It just yeah. kind of lets you dodge some encounters if you use it correctly. Yeah, and it, well, and one yeah, and at one point actually it even forces you into encounters because you have to go around this small outside edge and avoid the moving sand. The moving sand spits you back at the beginning of the room. But there's this tiny little edge around the outside that's just filled with like a series of four or five enemies. Yeah, and traveling through the bones of like 
a dragon. It's, just, it's The whole dungeon has this really creepy, intense vibe to it, and I really enjoyed it as a kid. Oh yeah, absolutely. It was very, very elephant graveyard in its level of creepiness. I'm trying to think of another game on the Super Nintendo that elicited those kinds of images to me, or even another Final Fantasy game that had a moment where I felt like you're traveling through the corpse of like a dead monster. One of the early Zelda games you go into, the one of the dungeons is the corpse of a, of a giant tree. The Great Deku Tree or Deku Tree? Yeah, I don't even remember if they call it the Great Deku Tree in that game or if it's just something that fans have put together later that that's probably the Deku Tree. Yeah, I don't know what it is about that that Bone Dungeon, but I've always been a huge, huge fan of it. And I always tell people if they're going to play the game, if you play through Bone Dungeon and you don't like what you see, you probably won't like the rest of the game. Mm. But if you like what you've seen up to that point and you want to see more, I think it's a very good little um, clip, I guess, of the game. Yeah, absolutely. It, it served as a pretty great demo, so to speak, just going all the way up to the end of the of the Bone Dungeon. It uh, really gets you the feel for what the combat's like, what the characters are like, what the mechanics are like, and just what the feel of the game is like, like what you're talking about, that it has this kind of almost creepy feel to it. You're going through this dungeon filled with monsters and sand traps and the bones of ancient beasts that you're having to crawl through. It's it's definitely got a, an interesting feel. Yeah, I'm a huge fan. I'm a huge fan. But let's not go ahead and dawdle any longer. Let's go ahead and head on to our next listener-submitted story. Mm-hmm. This one comes from a user that goes by the handle Blue Bomber. Blue Bomber. All right, we got Mega Man in the house. That's pretty much it. I, I mean, I can't think of any other Blue Bombers, so... Uh, maybe a, a stunt fighter pilot called the Blue Bomber, but nah, it's, it's Mega Man. It's Mega Man. All right, well, here's what Blue Bomber had to say. Blue Bomber shares... My first exposure to the Final Fantasy series was with the original Final Fantasy 1 on the NES, and then Final Fantasy 2, which is now 4, on the Super Nintendo. So when my brother saw Final Fantasy Mystic Quest was a new game, we saved up and bought it. While it's definitely different from the mainline Final Fantasy games, I've always enjoyed it. I like the characters, the world map, and as a kid, I loved how the enemy sprites would change as the weaker they got. My brother and I would take turns, playing the battles and dungeons, handing off the controller when our favorite characters were in the party to pick their favorite battle commands. I have fond memories of Mystic Quest. Thanks, Blue Bomber. That was an awesome story. You definitely touched on something about the game that I thought was really, really unique that I don't think I've ever seen in another game, which is the changing sprites. As they took more damage, you could actually see the damage showing on them. You could tell that you were getting a little bit closer to beating them and taking them out. Yeah, yeah. That is a really nice little attention to detail, and it's also just kind of a nice generous thing that square did to help the players know you're almost at the end yeah it actually ended up being kind of funny for some of the sprites though because they each had from what i could tell at least three tiers they had just what they looked like at the start Mm -hmm. when they took a little bit of damage and then when they were close to dead but as i mentioned there was a point where i was one hitting enemy after enemy after enemy in the bone dungeon so it was just funny to walk in see them perfectly untouched and unharmed and then instantly at their last stage and then dead. Yeah. It was just really funny doing that over and over. What did you think of the uh, the Bone Dragon's phases? The T-Rex. The T-Rex that changed his bone. He keeps losing bones throughout the encounter. Yeah, no, that one was pretty good. The one thing... I actually found that one to be pretty funny at the end 
because his final phase, he's like kind of, he can't really keep himself upright anymore. He's sort of like laying on the ground, but he's still like chomping away half your health because he doesn't get any weaker when you get into that final phase. He just looks different. So you can see that he's almost down. So he's like lying there on the ground, not able to hold up his own weight, but he's still just ripping into you. It's a pretty funny image in my head. Yeah. And that boss is just so tough. He yeah. is just, he can, if you're not, if you underestimate him for even a turn, he can just totally KO people. Absolutely. I think Tristam actually has the ability to revive, but um, your main character doesn't have life at that point. So if Tristam goes down, uh, buckle up, buckaroo. It's going to be bumpy. Yeah, that's what happened with my my one game over against that boss was Tristam went down first because for whatever reason, the boss just decided to just hard aggro onto Tristam right off the bat and just annihilated him before I could really do anything about it. And then it was just poor old little Benjamin by himself. Couldn't revive Tristam, and that was that. Yeah, he got eaten by the skeleton. He definitely did. One of the things that a lot of the stories have, have mentioned that we haven't really touched on yet was just the game's soundtrack. Yeah, absolutely. What did you think of the soundtrack while you are playing it? It was not what I expected out of a SNES-era game. I mean, obviously, the capabilities can be quite a lot, but from games like that, you don't expect what you get out of Mystic Quest, which is like almost heavy guitar solos and like things that you'd expect in, in more modern JRPG soundtracks. Yeah, it's it's definitely an interesting soundtrack, especially coming from a Final Fantasy game. Uh, the the music is really, for most of the music, it seems to me, it's really high tempo yeah. and it's high energy. Um, if I if I had to ask you, what's your favorite track in the game? What do you think your favorite musical track is? Man, uh, of the ones I've experienced, probably would have to go with the battle theme. I mean, you can't go wrong with a good battle theme, especially from Final Fantasy. But that one was definitely the first one that made me go, wow, this soundtrack is not what I expected out of like SNES-era Final Fantasy. You want to give it a listen? Let's do it. You can see just right off the bat, like I was talking about, it gets really hard rock. One of the things I really liked about that track is just how high energy it is. And it's like, it, there's no buildup at all. It's just you oh, yeah. instantly get into combat and you feel that energy and that rush. And it's just, it's on the player like that. Yeah, it just starts right at the top. But then it does do a little bit of a slight dip to a slightly calmer bit and then builds right back up again, which is one of my favorite aspects of any any good battle theme. It gives you a moment to be like, all right, you're going to collect yourself and then wham, you're going to hit the enemy hard. Yeah, I know. It's, it's a really interesting song. Uh, I will say that by the end of the game, I remember I remember that song being drilled into my head. I, I actually got sick of it by the end of the game in my original playthrough. Oh, yeah, no. Any any good battle theme, you love and love and love until you've played 60 hours of a JRPG with that song being on every single battle, and then you're sick of it. Yeah, it's one of those songs where I, I can hear it once, and I'm like, oh, this is so good. But... Um, yeah, I remember hearing it hundreds and hundreds of times. I don't think there's an alternate battle theme for regular battles in Mystic Quest. So it's like, that's the one battle theme you hear yeah. literally the entire game. Yeah, that's pretty pretty typical for those older RPGs that they, they couldn't really fit that many tracks. So you just get one battle theme and maybe a boss battle theme and that's it. 
Speaking of the boss battle theme, that is probably my favorite track in the game. Oh yeah? I absolutely love the boss battle theme. Just give it a listen. Yeah, I don't know of any other Final Fantasy game with a with a boss theme quite that epic. Yeah, it definitely is a contender. Honestly, I think you might have convinced me. I think that just supplanted the regular battle theme as my favorite song from the game. You know? Yeah, it's great. The problem is you don't hear it that many times. I mean, you only hear it a couple of times throughout mm-hmm. the entire game. So, But when you do hear it and it's just rocking, you're like, oh man, this is, a, this is a really dramatic boss fight. It is absolutely dramatic. And honestly, that's uh, that's always good. It really helps helps build it make sure you don't get sick of it just by playing it over and over and over again like a battle theme yeah well let's go ahead and hop into our next listener submitted story this uh, this next story comes from a user that goes by the handle maddie 22 maddie 22 all right all right taylor go ahead and take it away maddie 22 says one of my favorite things about mystic quest and one that's most frequently praised about this game is how different and fantastic the music is Forget the fantasy-esque crystal melodies, Mystic Quest traded those in for rock and roll guitar tunes. Some highlights are the battle music and boss battle music, and my personal favorite is the theme song for the town of Fireburg. So groovy. The battle system was different from other Final Fantasy games, but at the time I just thought that they had melded Final Fantasy and Dragon Quest to create a new hybrid system, since it looked over the character's shoulders rather than side on. The way the monster sprites changed as they took damage was a great addition, and helped you know that you were getting closer and closer to victory. I also liked how your actions had a visible effect on the world around you. As you collected crystals, whatever was ailing the surrounding town was fixed up. Mystic Quest is easily one of my favorite Final Fantasy games. It has character and personality unlike any of the other games in the series, and arguably the best music of the entire lineup. Hey, Maddie. actually, you point out my other favorite musical track from this game, which is the theme song from Fireburg. I actually really, really love this song. Interesting. I hadn't heard it because I didn't get that far in the game. Yeah, it is a later town theme, um, and this was actually one of the very first video game songs that I remember as a kid leaving the console playing just so I could listen to the music. Wow, this was your first one of those. It wasn't the very first, but it would have been up there. It would have been in the top three for sure. Wow. Yeah, I love this song. Uh, the Fireberg theme was just so, I don't know, upbeat and kind of uh, nightlife-y, I guess, is the right the right word I can use. Oh, yeah, I can see that, especially compared to Maddie22's comparison of Groovy. Yeah, definitely. It's it's a great track, and man, oh, man, I love that Fireberg tune. Well, thanks, Maddie, for sharing. That's great stuff. Let's go ahead and hop into our next listener-submitted story. This one comes from a user that goes by the handle LaReggi, and here's what they had to say. LaReggi shares. Best music of the series, IMO. Mystic Quest was my first RPG. My family borrowed it from a neighborhood friend and ended up holding on to the cart to this day. A couple of years ago, one of my brothers and I beat it in one shot till about 3 or 4 in the morning. I did the same thing on my own when I was about 18. These days, I guide my nephews through it, never beating it for them, just advising. And one of them's on the verge of beating it. He keeps falling off the ledge in that level of the tower with Pazuzu. 
Wow, the Reggie. I love this story. That is so cool that you you got that cart from a, a friend and basically stole it from them from the sound of it, which who hasn't done that from a friend? And now you've gone through it with your with your family, with your brothers, and now you guide your nephews through it. That is such a cool story. Yeah, Scanline Vibes is in massive support of, of thievery. We love thievery. <laughs> only only if it's of a really good classic game. Any other kinds of thievery not allowed. Classic games, go for it. Thievery. It is approved. But yeah, it's really neat that you share this game with your nephews and you kind of help them figure out how to play it. And it's probably a pretty good JRPG experience, I'd imagine, for you know kids these days. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great way to introduce them to, to the series. Still living up to Square's original intent for the game. Yeah, good stuff. Absolutely. And it's nice that you don't just give them the answer or do it for them. You let them fail over and over again and, and learn from their mistakes. You're making good, true gamers, Loregi. And teach them to steal, too. That'll be great. Oh, yeah. No, please. Well, our next story comes from a user that's actually submitted to the podcast before. Oh, really? We've got a return listener. A return repeat listener. And submitter, too. And submitter. This one comes from a user that goes by the handle The Nameless One. The Nameless One. It's quite a good name, too. So, Mr. Taylor, you read all the stories in this show, so what game did Nameless One submit for previously? I definitely have encyclopedic knowledge of all of our listener-submitted stories. They are in... in they're engraved on my brain, uh, and he was definitely a submitter for Ghost Trick. I definitely didn't look that up a moment ago, when which was definitely edited out. Your dishonesty is appreciated. Dishonesty and thievery, that's what we're all about here at Scanline Vibes. All right, well, I had you read it last time, so this time I'll be nameless one. Aw, all right, go for it. The nameless one shares. The soundtrack is magnificent, right? We tend to forget that Square was one of the precursors of the whole orchestral soundtrack of style of music and games. Before contracting, movie composers became a thing. I remember two things about it of my childhood. The first, Brazilian kids didn't really care for RPGs. Maybe it was because of the language barrier. I was playing with the dictionary by my side. But games like Final Fantasy, Chrono Trigger would always be available to rent, despite how the magazines ranted and raved about it. The second thing was, I remember being a little prejudiced against it. I think back to then, and I thought of it as a side game. Maybe it was just my childish mind working, but I recall gaming having this kind of, oh, it's not a main game series. It must suck. It's funny to think about today, when the name Final Fantasy is pretty much on everything. All right, the nameless one. Thank you very much. I definitely like the image of, uh, of, a, of a Brazilian kid sitting in front of a game with a dictionary next to him, trying to look up the words as he goes. That's a, a, very, a very cute image. Yeah, yeah, that is pretty interesting. It's also funny that he points out how, you know, back in the day there was these spin-off games and now today it's like every Final Fantasy game is a spin-off game it feels like. Oh yeah, no, the every Final Fantasy gets gets ton of of spin-offs and honestly even other major franchises. I mean, Kingdom Hearts, most of its story is told in in side games. Yeah, I actually wanted to ask you about Kingdom Hearts a little bit because mm. you're currently playing Kingdom Hearts 3 right now. It's true. And I guess do you consider the spin-off games real Kingdom Hearts games? For the most part, there are a couple that are a little frivolous some of the earlier side games but much of the uh but a lot of the later side games are pretty crucial and important to the story they have major story elements and they're also a lot of fun and well designed gotcha so birth by sleep birth by sleep is an amazing game and definitely necessary for anyone who wants to play through that franchise so not a side game at all i mean by by pure definition alone maybe but not really no 
I think with that franchise, there's got to be more of a connection with their side games than with these in Final Fantasy. Oh, sure. Because, I mean, they're actually all part of a larger story in the Kingdom Hearts franchise, whereas Mystic Quest yeah. isn't really related to any other Final Fantasy game other than by name. Yeah, that's a great point. And there was no sequel or no follow-up to it, so yeah, it just kind of is what it is. And it's kind of a piece of, of that time period. And it's really more of a commentary about how Japan's gaming developers wanted to kind of have an influence on Western gamers. Yeah, you could definitely say that. They really wanted to to build that that name up early and... They absolutely succeeded, for better or worse. Yeah, I don't think you can credit Mystic Quest to that. I think it was well, already pretty successful, you know, beyond Mystic Quest. But I don't think Mystic Quest hurt. You know, no. I, don't, I don't think it. I don't think that that was a game that hurt the brand at all. There, are, you could argue that with some Final Fantasy spinoff games. I would certainly argue it with these days with how they slap Final Fantasy on app games. You know, they slap yeah. it on. They slap that logo everywhere now, and I would say that definitely hurts the brand. But back in the day, I really truly believed. Mystic Quest was a great little game. It wasn't as dramatic as, you know, major Final Fantasy games. It definitely wasn't Final Fantasy VI. No. But it w- it was what it was, and yeah. I enjoyed it for what it was, and it had a great soundtrack. And we've already heard from you and several of our listeners that it's what introed a lot of kids to Final Fantasy. Without it, there'd be, you know, at least several fewer, if not a lot fewer, Final Fantasy fans. Yeah. Well, let's go ahead and dive into our last listener-submitted story today. Oh, we're already at the end. We already are at the end. And thankfully, it's not an hour yet, so I don't pay you by the hour, so I round down. So <laughs> Shucks, I only get part of an IOU this time. That's how it goes. This one comes from a user that goes by the handle Kev Prime. Kev Prime. But I've got it on good authority. This guy's name is Kevin. I mean, yeah, that tracks. So, Taylor, for the last time today, go ahead and take it away. All right. Kev Prime shares. I guess the story for me on this is that I was given this game on accident. Speaking of nostalgia, do you remember the Simpsons episode where Bart is given the golf game instead of what he wanted? Well, my amazing mom got this game for me on accident over Final Fantasy 4, or 2 as it was known at the time. I was resistant to the game at first, but it quickly won me over. Using your weapons on the environment, puzzles, monsters' appearances changing as you damage them, and as simple as it sounds, jumping. Mystic Quest combined all I love from Final Fantasy with fun elements from games like Zelda. Those elements hooked me in enough to keep going, but getting to the first crystal and seeing the Dragon Claw blew my young mind. I was anticipating getting that for the rest of the game. When you do get it, it was worth the wait. Just the sound of it alone was cool. I still think it's one of the coolest weapons in gaming. People turn their noses up at Mystic Quest, but if you really take a look at it, it's a better game than most people are willing to admit. In a post on Reddit, I've described it as the peanut butter and jelly sandwich of Final Fantasy. It's not a culinary masterpiece, but it's the perfect mix of warm and fuzzy. Mystic Quest is comfort food, and great comfort food at that. Hey, Kevin, thank you so much for sharing this. Uh, I cannot I cannot begin to agree more. This is definitely the peanut butter and jelly sandwich of Final Fantasy. Yeah, it definitely seems like a very good comparison, and I honestly can't think of a, of a better story to save for last. He definitely summed up a lot of what we've been talking about so far today. Yeah, I think it really sums it up. Final Fantasy Mystic Quest, you know, borrowed elements from Zelda, kind of used them in a unique way, kind of even borrowed elements of Dragon Quest and and old school Final Fantasy games and kind of wrapped it into a nice approachable package for kids kind of getting ready to dip their feet into JRPGs for the first time. Yeah, absolutely. It definitely kept the the core soul of Final Fantasy, but managed to throw in elements from other games that kids may already be aware of and and could, could relate to. 
Because Mystic Quest was my one of my earliest entry points into JRPGs, what was yours, Taylor? Ooh, that's a really good question. Um, I'm curious if it was something really difficult or if it was something a little more approachable like this. I was a little late in getting into a lot of gaming, actually. I didn't grow up with a lot of the, the big consoles. I got a lot of them much much later after they came out. Would you count Ocarina of Time as a JRPG? Um, it doesn't have a lot of the traditional JRPG elements. It's not turn-based combat. No, I mean, it, it is it is a Japanese role-playing game, but I think of that as a more action-adventure game. Yeah, I would tend to agree with you. Um, honestly, in that case, I think the first real JRPG I was ex- I was experienced to was Final Fantasy X, and I realize that's a really late entry in the series to start with, uh, but that was probably the first big experience I had with JRPGs. So you went from zero to Final Fantasy X. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I've gone back and played a lot of the classic ones, but uh, it's it was it was my first entry playing it at my uh, at my best friend's house growing up. Dang, what ha- what was wrong with you? Uh, it was more like what was wrong with my parents. My parents did not want to expose me to heavy video gaming. They they bought in a little bit to that uh, that anti video gaming culture that was going around in those days. Yeah, I mean, they video games can contaminate children. I mean, look what happened to me. Clearly, you're a terrible person. I mean, you get infected and you start podcasting about video games, and then you can't stop thinking about video games, and you spend all your money on, on podcasting equipment. <laughs> it's a slippery slope, kids. Watch out. Stick to the thieving. The thieving and the lying and the dishonesty. Absolutely. But stay away from the video games on this video game podcast. I'm kidding. Don't stay away from video games. Play all you want. I think the thing that most people will take away from Mystic Quest is definitely the soundtrack. That is The, the mm. soundtrack is the one thing that has stood the test of time. Uh, partially because it's just so different from any other Final Fantasy soundtrack, but honestly just because it's so much fun, and it's such a great yeah. high-tempo energy soundtrack. Yeah, it sounds like even the game's most harsh critics can't deny that the music is good. Yeah. I guess the last question I want to ask you is, we've got all these Final Fantasy characters. I mean, you've played Kingdom Hearts, you've played a lot of the Final Fantasy characters all over the years. Hmm. What do you think about the character name Benjamin? It's a little tame for a Final Fantasy main character, I'll admit. It's uh, it's not quite as as crazy and out there. I think it's got to be the weirdest character name for a Final Fantasy character. Yeah, which is actually kind of saying something that the weirdest name for a Final Fantasy character is anywhere else the most normal name. Yeah, it's 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 oddly normal for a Final Fantasy game. Yeah, especially for the main character. I mean, you occasionally get Final Fantasy side characters who have pretty pretty average names, but never never the main character. I'm actually oh man, I'm not certain. I believe the the main character's name in Japanese was not Benjamin. I'm pretty sure it was Zashu. Yeah, the main character's name was definitely Zash. 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 Does that have any kind of meaning or translation, or is it just a name? Not to me. It's written in katakana, so I don't. I genuinely don't know. It definitely sounds more like a, a typical Final Fantasy character's name. It, it mixes in well with the, the Tituses and the Clouds and the Squalls. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know where Benjamin came from. I wonder if that was just like a rogue localizer who just decided, you know, I love the name Benjamin. I'm gonna name this kid ben- Benjamin. To be perfectly honest, that's probably true. Those days were filled with rogue localizers doing all kinds of weird things. Really? Yeah. That's sketchy. Well, Taylor, thank you so much for joining me. It was a lot of fun reliving Final Fantasy Mystic Quest. Thank you for playing a little bit of it. No, absolutely. I really enjoyed it. I will probably end up going back and finishing it up at some point. It it had some intriguing elements I'd be interested to explore further. Well, you'll be playing a, a piece of Final Fantasy history. That's for sure from the sound of it. All right, let's go ahead and wind things down then. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in, for sharing stories. We've got so many people to thank today. 
Let's go ahead and start it up. Everybody who shared stories today, you are amazing. Shoutouts to Selbaj, Justin, Bryant, The Blue Bomber, Matty22, Lareggi, The Nameless One, and Kev Prime. Thanks so much for sharing stories for today, guys. It was an absolute blast hearing your memories of this amazing, wonderful little game. And yeah, it was just a lot of fun. Yeah, no, thank you so much to all of you and to all of our listeners. We really appreciate your support and your stories and your sharing. It's, uh, it's a great experience. So, Clyde, what's coming up next week on the podcast? That is a great question. Um, I'm currently in the middle of a playthrough of Chrono Cross, and I'm really, really enjoying it. It's actually giving me some of the same vibes that Mystic Quest has given you, this old-school JRPG vibes, except I'm getting PS1 vibes out of it. Sure. Chrono Cross won't be happening next week. I'm, ass- I'm assuming that'll be happening in a couple weeks, maybe two or three. I'm still mm. wrapping up a playthrough of that and, and enjoying it way too much. The problem is when you enjoy a game, you don't really want it to end. So you oh, just- yeah. You kind of keep like, let me stay here a little bit longer. Let me listen to the music. And it's it's taken me some time. I think next week, though, Saga Frontier, which has been in the, which has been in the pipeline for a little bit, is finally going to come out. I think Saga Frontier is a great game that is a gem to a lot of people. Mm. I expect Saga Frontier to be coming out next Monday. All right. Well, I am looking forward to it, and I'm sure our listeners are as well. Excellent. Well, thanks so much for listening, guys. And until then, keep on sharing the games you love with the people you like. See you guys next time on Scanline Vibes. Gorsh! Bye, everybody! (laughs) 